What's up, everybody? This is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast. We've got some great friends that support us. Go over to dotickbrand.com for your latest coaching accessory needs. And while you're at the checkout, use the promo code Soccer Chat to get yourself a sweet discount by going to dotickbrand.com. Shout out to our friends over at Torx, T O R R X.com for the world's greatest ball pump. Real talk, Nick. I got a text message today from Scott Phipps. He's like, hey, what's this ball pump thing that you always talk about that you told me about last year and the year before that? Like, what, what is it? And I was like, the Torex? And he and I like put the link in the text message and he saw the picture. He's like, yeah, that's it. He's like, is it worth it? I was like, what are you, are you asking me that? And he was like, yeah, I'm asking you that. Is it worth it? I was like, yes, I have one. All of your friends have one. All of my friends have one. Everybody who listens to the show, the hope is that everybody who listens to the show has a Torex. Is it really that good? No, Scott, it's not that good. Yes, it's that good. Like we're not going to promote it if we don't think that it's a, a good product. And he was like, fair enough. I was like, that's, and if you know Scott Phipps, that's his like response is fair enough. Um, and so I can guess of the show of all time. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, I kept pumping him. I was like, look, like Nick's got one. I've got one ratting off these people that has one. And he's like, in the time you've been telling me that I already ordered one. And I was like, yes, another one. Like you're going to love it, Scott. You are going to love it. You're going to love it. Uh, and you're going to love it too. Go to T O R R X.com and you can be just like Scott Phipps and everybody else who's listens to the soccer chat and get yourself the world's greatest ball pump. This is a listener supported show supported by people just like you listening to this very episode right now. One of the best ways that you can do is to help us out by sharing the links every single week. Let your friends know you're listening, what your favorite parts of the episode were, or maybe there's something that you, uh, you want to see added to the show. Maybe we need to bring back like uh, Nick's shout out of the week that we used to do like for like two months. Then we stopped doing it. Then we do it for another two months and we stopped it. Uh, you know, that's the best way to, to, to support the show. Let everybody know that you are uh, listening and, and you're liking what you're listening to. And also, as we said, remember Nick's wedding is coming up sometime within the next year, all 7,000 people who are invited. We're going to have to check COVID on that one, but hopefully by the time COVID will be gone and all 7,000 of you can appear. Uh, but you know, the best way you can help out too is to leave Nick a nice rating, five-star rating, by the way, five-star rating for the, the wedding boy present. Um, and a review on Apple Podcasts. That's going to let uh, Apple Podcasts, it's going to let a lot of other podcast streamers know that uh, you appreciate the show and it's going to let them feel like Soccer Chat is a pretty big show, which we all know in reality it's not, but here it is anyways. Uh, so help us out, share the links, hit that five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll make sure that we send you a shout-out. But also remember on the Apple Podcast review to write, that this was Nick's wedding present because we will make sure that he gets the greatest wedding presents ever of a lot of five-star ratings and review because he is a five-star guy. He's Nick. I'm Sean. What's up, man? Nothing. I mean, honestly, I mean, we were kind of talking before we got going. Of course, there was new news on any front right now, but it's just there, there's, there's not a lot of new changes. I hope maybe in a week we'll have some more information to get out, but no, I mean, uh, like, in the soccer world, I, I mean, I think it's pretty big news, obviously, that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 canceled and uh, put, postponed their, their stuff to the spring, which, I don't know, I, I, I can get it. Hey, like, I, I understand it's, it's just such a weird time. I think one of the questions that we posted um, for the Twitterverse today and the soccer chat was, there's kind of two schools of thought that just like you need to, we need to shut things down. We need to not play things like that. And then there's kind of another school of thought. That's where if we're bringing kids back to campus anyway, you, you need to let us have contact with them and coaching them and things like that. And 
I'm definitely more in that camp because if you take away practices from me and my players just get to go off on their own whims and do whatever they want, they're going to be so much more at risk than if you allow me to practice with them a few times a week and I can kind of scare them into being, hey, do you want to be the one that gets your teammates sick? You should probably not go to that bar or that party or things like that. But I think if there's no um, accountability, there's no reason for them to try to be safe other than for their own health and things like that, I think you're, you're going you're gonna to have some kids making some not-so-smart decisions, which – I, it scares me. I, I, I right as of right now we're practicing, but it does scare me if they if they pull that back on us because I, I think I can talk to my players and help them to guide to uh, be a guide for them to make some smart decisions about what they're doing. And if you take practice instead of away, I, I, I worry that they're they're not going to make the best decisions. And I don't think I'm the only coach that would deal with it. I imagine almost every coach around the country would deal with that. We um our conference came out last week and I feel like I may have talked about it a bit. I don't know. I barely remember what happened yesterday, but um, I just feel like I just sound like Harry Carey there. I don't remember what happened yesterday. <laughs> um, shout out to my boy Jay Gibb for that, that impression. He does, he does the Will Ferrell impression of Harry Carey's. And so, yeah, it makes no sense to nobody, but it's all right. I, I laughed inside. Um, you know, our conference made this, made the announcement last week to go on full on a schedule. And I know that they got hit with a lot of um, feedback on that um, to where a lot of things have escalated within our conference. And by that, I mean within the states that are in our conference, because there's five different states that make up um, the teams in our, our conference. And a lot of these, that's been the biggest issue with our conference, at least. And I'm sure other conferences are the same way is when you have five different governors and five different states rules, it's really hard to come up with what you want to do. Um, and so, you know, they had made the decision and I was very vocal and said, you know, I thought their opening line of their statement was really backwards. Um, cause they had said, you know, after closely monitoring the situation from canceling the winter championships and the spring 2020 championships, you know, we feel like now is the best time to play. And my first reaction as, as just a human was like, well, why is now the best time to come back and play? Um, especially if you've been close to monitoring situation, but like, I get it. Like, I understand, Hey, you made a decision. Let's go with it. So we're going to play. Um, but like I said, since then there's been a lot of feedback and, and a lot of changes that happened in States. And, um, I'm still back on my original thing of, I think we're going to get moved. Um, which is crazy because our kids are moving in today. If you're listening to this on Thursday, um, our, my kids are moving back today and uh, I've got, uh, all but one will be here. And then, uh, we'll have another player that gets in, um, one of our international kids will be in next week. Um, and, uh, I just like, we had a conversation today to learn that some things were changing or possibly changing and whatnot. And, um, you know, one of our coaches asked me like, well, what do we do about practices? Like we, we, you know, obviously we want to get the kids together. We want to get them around each other and, and kind of get used kind of like you had said in the, the, uh, piece before about, you know, like just getting around each other and kicking a ball, like how beneficial that will be. Um, you know, and we were kind of told, you know, just kind of go easy onto it just because of if we do get moved again, you know, how this will affect our 24 week rule that we have for training. Um, and so for me, it's like, I, and I'm sure you're the same way. Like, I'm sure you getting set up for your training sessions have come up with five different things you were trying to do. Like, oh, we're going to do this. Ah, no, 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 no. We're going to do this instead. I've literally went through, I think I've had training set up for this opening day. So many, I've had like seven different ones. And then now it's like, 
tonight, I told myself like tonight, I'm going to figure out how we can knock it out of the park on this first one. And now it's like, I don't know if I want to even touch a ball on our first practice. Like I, like maybe we, maybe we just hang out and we just talk and we get to know each other more. And, and we, you know, we find out what everybody's been doing during this whole thing. Um, because like I said, like, you know, I want to make sure that we do this right and we get ourselves back into it. And especially if we hear something this weekend that things change, you know, it's going to set us up to, to be able to really get to know each other. And then once we do start training, um, we'll be, we'll be, I'm not going to say well oiled, but you know, everybody have a good feel for each other. Cause I, I, I really think that, uh, I don't know, like I know your team's gotten together on zoom and, and ours has done that too, but I, I feel like they've really lost kind of like their touch with each other. Um, and what's going on with each other's lives. No, I mean, and, and we talk about all the time, Becky Burley, when she came on the show, she talked about a little bit too, where Back a. even, Back even, a. even physical touch is completely gone now. Um, and I know she talks about a little bit in her what drives winning talk, but, but it's when like the calmness that you can give someone when you just have a physical touch with them, like just a hand on the back, high five, things like that. It, it's completely lost right now. And, and, and again, I, I, I know you're kind of like me, I'm a huge hugger. And so like these last six months have just been bonkers because like I, I, you don't even hug your family anymore, you know, because you don't want to get them sick. And in, in the case that you were the one that's carrying it and it, that's, it, it's going to be, it's, I, I'm so excited to train with them because even though we're, we're not going to be allowed to, as of right now, have like skin to skin contact, like we're going to yeah. have to, set up training sessions to make sure that that's not the case i'm just excited for them to like be in the physical presence of each other because i think a lot of their anxiety and stress and th things like that are going to go down i i think this is a time i was talking to uh, another person today the amount of stress that's on these kids right now i, I don't know if we'll even see the repercussions of it right now but two three years down the road I, mm -hmm. I think that the repercussions of young males and females right now that are going through this is going to be something that we're going to be working on, not not just now, but in two, three years and beyond. Yeah. And and speaking of like the repercussions, um, before we get into the interview, I can't believe you cut your hair again. Why do you keep doing this to me? So this was one I, so I, I'm like in preparation of, I always do this in the beginning of season. So it's just like, it's a thing for me. I always start my season where I'm just going to, I'm going to buzz my hair and then I'm going to grow it till the end of the year. Like, that's just kind of like my thing. I, every, every August right around this time, I, I buzz my hair and I grow it. It just is like, it, I, I don't know. I've done it for gosh, I five or six years now. And it's just, it's a preseason thing where I just, it's a, it's a, like we all have our routines and for me it's just a mid-august i'm gonna i do a it's a four on the side six on the top and i just I do a four it. on the side and six on the top is not a buzz cut no 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 i'm not like i'm not like a skinhead by any means like you know like it's a, if it's you really did a two short. a two all the way around that's a buzz yeah no i mean it's short for me though for what for what i typically do but you know you're right it's totally not a buzz cut but I know, it's a routine thing. Like I, I know we're not having the usual year that we're going to have and, and things like that, but I, I kind of want to treat this year in the, in the same way, in the most normal way that I possibly can and keep some of my rhythms and things like that going. And the best part is Kelly, um, before she, she made me get my hair cut before our wedding pictures. And she goes, I will not ever 
tell you to do anything with your hair again because she hates when I do this. She hates when I cut it. She likes, she's like you. She wants it long all the time. Yeah. And uh, she goes, I will never tell you another time in your life to, that you need to get a haircut or a specific length until the weeks leading up to our wedding in which I will tell you exactly what your hair needs to look like again. But so I, I was talking to her today on the phone. I was like, yep, yeah, I, I cut my hair. And she's like, how short? I was like, it's, it's pretty short. And she's like, I, I told you I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be mad. I'm gonna like we're gonna well the next time I'm gonna tell you is probably in April of, of next year where you need to get in and then you know what after that you can do whatever you want with it again. Kelly, I'll be mad for you. I really thought like you know, you you're growing it out and we had joked about like not cutting our hair until like the first actual game happens. Um and I I really thought you were in on this with me, but yeah, no, I, I, I like it. I feel like I, we also have this conversation like every three weeks, and that's really like I'm now I'm the dad. Like Nick, I keep bringing this up every three weeks because it's we keep talked happening. about this. Yes, we have <laughs> we have talked about this numerous <laughs> times. Stop cutting your hair. Yeah, no, it's uh, I don't know. I like it. Just it's a routine thing for me. It's I it's it's preseason time, even though it's going to be a weird, different version of preseason. I'm I'm trying. I'm holding the just just keeping keeping my life as normal and as consistent as possible with how I used to do things. I'm, uh, I'm kind of scared. Um, cause we have our, um, coaches mugshot pictures tomorrow. Oh, you yeah. got a, you got, you got some things going on right now. And, uh, I was just like, Oh man, how, what am I going to do here? Um, and I was just like, you know what? I, it is what it is. Like I'm going to go with it. And uh, own it, you know, if you don't like it, you get a new one in a year, you know? Yeah. You know, and I, and I still don't know. And I don't know why we keep, I keep bringing this up like every week of hairs and stuff like that. But, um, I, I honestly don't know when I am going to cut it. Like it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely hair tie gang. I've got one in my hair and people at home can't see this, but I've got two, I got a blue and a black one on my wrist just in case something happens to the one on my head. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I, our, our school president posted a really awesome picture of his quarantine hair the other day. Um, and if you knew our school president, he's, he's uh father, Larry, shout out to father, Larry gang. He knows what it is. Um, he posted, it was like, you know, um, in during the quarantine or, you know, during the pandemic and the quarantine and everything, you know, you lose track of things. And he's like, you know, I can't tell you, uh, the last time I had a haircut, he's like, cause you just kind of, you continue going through life and you continue doing what you've got to do to, to get through. And he's like, you know, things like getting a haircut don't really make any sense to you. And he's like, and I also learned that, you know, when your hair's a lot shorter, you don't have to do a lot of things to it. You don't have to brush it as much. You don't have to, uh, you know, do these various things. He's like, which is why I'm taking this picture to show everyone how I looked when I went to the grocery store, completely forgetting that my hair is crazy long. And it's like, Albert Einstein style. Oh God. And I was just like, that's my guy. Like, Oh my gosh. And so from our team account, uh, he got a, uh, a comment on his page that said, um, that he and coach Soderling need to do quarantine hair side by side pictures. Um, because neither of us looked the same way we did the first time we met. And it's, it's, it's super cool. He's also like, he is you like other, I mean, he's a, a priest and you're not, but, um, he runs like all the time. Good for him. That's how you, you, you two would get along real life. well. That's how you extend your life. Oh, I mean, I don't do this simultaneously. Like, don't do it so you can have <laughs> extra course lights. But if, if, 
like it's it's one way to make your yourself your life go a little bit longer. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, if you say so, we've got a super cool interview uh, for y'all this week. Episode one fifty. Holy crap, one fifty, and uh, man, it's it, it's so good. It's so good, and uh, we hope you all enjoy it. As always, he's Nick. I'm Sean. Here's our interview for the I've been hustling and tonight is my appraisal Cause I'm a hooker selling songs and my pimp's a record label This world is full of demon stocks and bonds and Bible traders So I do the deed, get up and leave a climber and a sadist, yeah Are you ready for the sequel? Ain't ready for the latest? In the garden of evil I'm gonna be the greatest In a golden cathedral We're starting off with laughs already. Uh, we've got we've got a great show uh, this week for you guys. A, a great interview who uh, has been on the show before. Uh, we got to chat with our guest this week uh, back in Baltimore, which now I think because we've been home for like feels like a year. Feels like it was so long ago, but it really was just doing the math seven months ago. Um, and you know, we this name has been mentioned on our show numerous times, many times. Uh, very prevalent in the uh, Marissa Kresge. Uh, episode uh very prevalent in uh there was a couple of summer shows that we did uh where nick was working uh camp with our guest tonight and was in the was in the rooms and still made time to to chat with us uh but uh we're so excited just because of everything that's kind of going on we've been doing different perspectives uh about various situations and things throughout uh, the pandemic and, and, and recently with, with COVID and things along those lines. Uh, and we've got a very, 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 very special guest with us uh, this evening. She happens to be Nick's fiance's favorite coach in the entire world. Uh, yep. I'm willing to go on record and say that. But we have with us the ever famous, the ever popular Paula Wilkins from Wisconsin. Paula, what is going on up in Wisconsin? Mm, probably the same as everywhere else not much uh, <laughs> as you know unfortunately our season just got closed down like most people's probably that is going on uh so we are dealing with that issue right now um but uh, otherwise just uh trying to learn about soccer more and more by listening to you guys and different things so we uh, now stop it <laughs> you are not learning anything soccer listening to us yeah i mean and sean's statement before that speaks pretty true i'm pretty sure if my fiance had to pick between me and you to marry she'd pick me but for a soccer coach it would be you one thousand times over uh she, I, you i would not win that battle at, instead at of instead of f mary kill it's now soccer coach mary who are you choosing 
I've got to get her a t-shirt or something, right, for the wedding at least. Something for the, maybe the bachelorette party, so. I actually gave her one of your old uh, camp t-shirts, like our camp counselor t-shirts. So she has, like, it's one of, like, her main sleeping t-shirts is one of your Wisconsin, like, Under Armour camp t-shirts. You she wouldn't so even wear it out in public? That. I can just tell how happy you are about that, for sure. But <laughs> well, I, and I, I guess, Sean, I should take a step back and say we missed uh, Nick this year in camp. Obviously, not having camp, it was a devastating year for us, uh, mostly just because of the energy that Nick brings to camp. So yeah. I can tell you that that was uh, – something that we missed for sure. I know and Marissa had got me all hyped up and was like, I promise your invites in the mail this year. And I was like, all right, cool. And then the pandemic started. I was like, I'm not going to get that invite. No one got the invite. Yeah. We did. We Nick, we did run a local for kids who are not recruitable social distance soccer camp. And I have to tell you a credit to all the youth coaches out there in the world. Uh, it brought me to my knees because trying <laughs> to teach, I, I couldn't remember how to teach a kid how to lock their ankle. Like when they come to me, they know how to lock an ankle um, for the most part. But I was like, youth coaches, I do not get the credit they need. Uh, I, I give it to them all the time, but it, it brought me to my knees. Uh, and then not being able to tackle or do anything. So uh, it was a humbling camp for sure. So. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll definitely get into the we'll, we'll Camp Humble. We'll get into to Camp Humble and, and everything you've kind of been going on through, uh, going through uh, this past week or so. But, you know, kind of like we, we did a little bit in Baltimore, uh, you know, with the show is to kind of understand, uh, you know, who you are, the coach now, you know, we kind of got to know how you got to this point. So if you don't mind kind of telling everybody, uh, you know, if you want to brag on your U8 playing days and, and you know, scoring seven, eight goals a game, uh, up until age 12, uh, you know, humble brag on that. If you got to, uh, you know, how did you, how did you end up in Wisconsin and, and all this time in the game? Okay. I'll tell it really fast. So when I started playing soccer, I always said there was a huge guy uh, who was a rugby coach. Uh, when I was seven years old, I wanted to play soccer. My dad said soccer was that he was a football guy. And, uh, the only team that was in my area was a boys team. And my, and the guy said, he was this big hulking guy. And he said, girls can't play. And my dad said, if she's good enough, we let her play. Now I had like a bowl cut. I, I looked like a boy. Uh, and I played and I made the team and he said, I'll let you play. And that guy who was not that much of a soccer aficionado, he was just a dad, uh, changed my life because I played with that group of boys, uh, probably till I was about 16. I started on my varsity high school team as a freshman. I look at that now and go like, what the hell was I doing? Like these guys were like <laughs> massive and couldn't control anything. Um, and, but these, these guys that I played with um, literally like helped me kind of get out of my small town, get a full scholarship to the university of Massachusetts and, and kind of get out. And um, the funny thing is, and see how good you guys were soccer knowledge, but uh, one of these guys was named Jeremy Olson and his younger brother, Ben Olson DC from United. my high school. Um, who played ended up playing with a national team, DC United, and was the head coach of DC United, uh, came from my same high school. So, like, from this small town in, like, Pennsylvania, we found the two of us. What, what um, town? I remember, I, I remember being, like, on a youth field, megging, like, Ben all over the place because he was, like, five <laughs> years younger than me, right? And I was kind of torturing him. I, now, when we, when we do this segment and we have people brag about themselves, that might be the best one that we've had. That's been sad. I nutmeg Ben Olsen. <laughs> when he was, like, eight <laughs> no one has to know that see yeah, that's did. the other part is people will brag about something and they're like well i was 13 at the time no one has to know that <laughs> this could have happened three weeks ago i i have a really interesting question for all that 
how the heck do you get recruited playing on a guy's high school soccer team? Like, how do they even like find you? Oh, okay. Interesting enough. Um, my sophomore year in high school, I broke my, I got my jaw broken in a high school boys game. I broke my jaw in two places because I got headbutted by a, a guy. Match uh, and um, they then had women's soccer. Um, but I was on um, like the youth national team and the regional teams, like ODP. Okay. Back then. So that's kind of how I got selected. And then fast forward, I go to the University of Massachusetts. Um, and I always say that I made Brianna Scurry the goalkeeper she was because I was such a bad defender <laughs> that she had to make so many saves that <laughs> she became a national team goalkeeper. So um, you're welcome. Brianna, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I think she owes me some percentage of her salary, but I'm not really sure how that worked out right now. What What if um, she listens to this and sends you a thank you card? <laughs> she still owes me fifty bucks. So I hope she does. So. Oh, those, like those are my favorite stories. <laughs> there was somebody on Twitter the other day. I forget who it was. It's some like Hollywood writer. And his bio is like, you know, Hollywood writer, blah, 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 blah. John Cena still owes me $50. <laughs> and he will not tell the story until he says he's going to write a book one day or unless John Cena pays him his 50 bucks. That's fair. I think it's, I'm saying it's a Rana Scurry. So, <laughs> Pay up, son. Pay well, up. you know, and then fast forward uh, years later, I'm at Penn State as the assistant coach, right? So I'm, I'm starting there with a new program and I get a gig being – control the ball kids for the world cup in 99 right so that's the big world cup where you know like people are crying they're like the beatles right mm -hmm. and i'm in charge of the ball kids for coca-cola on the sidelines and i have to get the ball kids like marching out with the teams like and so like there's a kid who, who wants to touch me a ham and she's crying and i'm like you can't you can't touch me a ham like you can't do that right and the biggest thing is you couldn't have two balls in the field at the one time that was like my whole like stress of that but like at one point i saw Brian, I was like, hey, and she like ignored me. And I was like, dude, you still owe me 50 bucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but is that, is that the best pre-World Cup game conversation ever had in the tunnel? Yeah, that was probably it. Yeah. I think it is. Bucks. It's like, that was that movie, like, you still owe me $2? What was that yeah. one? Yeah. that one? Yeah. So she doesn't really owe me 50 bucks, but. <laughs> See, again, no one has to know that. Had to do with a cake party, maybe. I don't know. <sighs> <laughs> What, uh, what part of, you said small town Pennsylvania, what, what small town? Um, I always say uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is also famous for. That one guy. Chocolate, yeah. Um, but it's a small town outside of Hershey, yeah. Like Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, like middle of Pennsylvania. Okay, I was because I have family in Oxford, which I assume is a very small town in Pennsylvania. I, it must be because I don't know where it is, yeah. I, the only, their, their only relevance is that they are, oh gosh, now I can't remember. The town that uh, Bam Margera is from. Oh, oh my gosh. It's in Philadelphia. Yep. Yeah, like out, outside of it. Uh, because the place where Bam's uncle always ate Italian food at is in Oxford. Oh. And I got to go there and sit in Don Vito's chair and was like, ah, I feel really dumb for doing this. <laughs> but I didn't care because I loved Viva La Bam back in the day. I had to think about what that was, but it was the guy who kind of like threw himself through things, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Bam was one of the, the jackass guys. Yeah. And then he yeah, got his own yeah. show. Um, yeah. But uh, so, you know, when did you, you know, when was coaching the thing for you? You know, was it during the playing day say like, hey, I want to keep staying in the game or, you know, what was that? How, how did coaching come about? Um, most players, most of my teammates, now I look back on it, they said, oh, you kind of did it all along. Like, uh, I think uh, in one of my collegiate games, I actually changed the formation that our coach <laughs> decided on. Um, I didn't think anything. I thought that's what everyone did. I thought like people did that. And uh, I guess not. 
Um, we <laughs> lost that game, but okay. uh, respect, respect. Yeah, I, I got in a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, uh, I, from there, you know, I really wanted to go on to be a professor at a university, and uh, I didn't get accepted to any school. So I, I, I got this assistant coaching job at Penn State. But I said to the head coach at the time, Pat Farmer, I said, listen, I'm not going to stick around long. I'm going to get my degree and I'm out. And uh, we had success in the first year, and I liked it. It kind of fit with what I did. Um, so I stayed there and, uh, we were pretty successful. We were very successful. And then he, when the 99 world cup hit, he went to the pro leagues, kind of got excited about the WUSA and I could have went with him. Um, I had a job offer for Northwestern and Penn state offered me the job right away. And I said, yeah, just, I got a good gig here right now. I don't have to move. So I, I kind of, uh, people, I always say I fell into it and people say, you should never say that. You should say you earned it, whatever, but, um, you fell into it. It's all right. Yeah, a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> I guess if I was terrible, I wouldn't have gotten the job. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Very so true. Uh, I got the job. And then a couple of years after that, people always ask me, well, why did you leave Penn State? I had 10 big championships, 10 big, 10, big 10, big 10 championships and everything. Like that. But I wanted to see if I could rebuild something. I wanted to see how good I could actually really be. Um, and uh, I also have been growing up in Pennsylvania and lived in Pennsylvania all my life. Like I'm not Amish. I got to get out for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to the Amish. Yes, no. yes, yes, yes. No, we, we are not, Amish people this show is about not offending people. Yes, yeah. Amish people do great work. I, I love the Amish people. They make great uh, food. You know what? I, you know, their food is, is, you know, is good, but I don't know about where you are from and what the Amish do, but their houses and roofing jobs here are incredible. Incredible. Like, I want them to build my house. Like, it's, right. it's going to happen, hopefully. Uh, maybe not, but hopefully one day. So, you know, you, you, you sit here and, and, you know, decide like you want to get into education, you want to be a professor, stuff like that. Well, now you're, you're a professor of football. Yeah. Have you ever thought about it that way? Uh, yeah, I do feel like I'm teaching all the time. So, yeah, that's true. I, I, was, just, that I was just trying to be smart and put an analogy together that probably didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'm that brilliant with it, but. Uh, well, you're I, on I, the right show then. <laughs> I like the interaction with the, the kids. I think that's what yeah. it is. I think I like that part. The, the, I shouldn't say kids, the women, the players. So I like that part the most. And, you know, you just, you said, uh, you know, the, 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 the challenge of rebuilding something and, and wanting to see if, if you can do it. Um, you know, what was it about um, that, that, um, you know, because most people, you like, you, like, kind of like you said, like, you won all these championships. And not that you get complacent, but you kind of get like, hey, this is successful. This is working. If it's not broke, don't fix it. But you kind of thought, like, hey, like, I'm going to move on. I'm going to try something new. I'm going to try to build something of my own. You know, what is that thought process? Because there's a lot of coaches who, you know, when they're at a good situation, only want to go to another good situation. Um, and there are, there are some who, like myself, it sounds like, like you as well, who we love that rebuilding project. Um, you know, so what was it about, Hey, like, I think I, I think I can go build something uh, and leave all this, this glory behind, not behind, um, but, but you know, if I'm, if I'm going to be honest, everyone, part of it was that like soccer had become my whole life, like the chasing, the winning, chasing all that. Um, and, and I'm saying, I'm not doing that now, but like, it just became all of me. And I didn't want that to be all of me. I wanted to be balanced because I wanted my players to have that balance and to understand that. And I thought this was going to be the, the hardest move to, for kind of happiness. Like I wanted to be in a bigger town. I wanted mm -hmm. to be 
do those little things. And I thought people, I'd never taken a risk. I'd always taken the safe choice. And I thought like people who took risks were always my heroes because they did it for happiness and balance of life and all that type of stuff. And I thought, you know, this is something that I'm going to do. But the most important thing, and it actually hit me again, um, actually yesterday, um, is that for me, I thought I could always have these relationships with players no matter where I go, whether it was at Penn State winning all these championships or now coming to Wisconsin. And I can watch, when I say relationships, like watching players grow, watching them come in as a freshman, so naive and scared and, you know, this kid coming away from home and seeing them leave like a mature woman who's going to be a CEO of a company like that, I thought could always be something that I could do wherever I wanted, wherever I was. And um, it was interesting because, and maybe I shouldn't reveal this because all people listen to you, but yesterday I was talking to my team and and, you know, it's, it's a pretty emotional thing, but like, I was like, okay, I got this. This is, you know, we're okay. We're going to play in the spring, da, da, da. And I have five fifth year seniors. I have 11 seniors all together. And I, in my head, I heard myself say, this is the last time this team is going to be together, like with these personalities in this setting. And I just started to cry. And I was like, oh my God, this is embarrassing because no one died. Like we're all okay. But like the relationships, I knew how the relationships are going to change. It's kind of like the last game yeah. that they play. You know, the relationship of the group is now just changed. Right. And it was like, it was expected, but it wasn't wanted, you know? And so it's kind of like, I, I broke down. And after the, after the meeting, a couple of kids came and said, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm completely <laughs> fine. Like the voice in my head, you didn't hear. Like if I had said it out loud, you might've cried, but you know, in that way, and I just thought like, we talk about rebuilding. You can still have those relationships. You can still see these kids succeed wherever you go. And I know you're starting a new program. Like that's the part I think if you do that part right, then the program and the success kind of follows it. It took every ounce of energy in me not to start singing John Legend when you said all of me. <laughs> like as soon as you said it, I was like, all of me was all of you. I was just like, I, and I couldn't get out of my head. Eh, yeah. um, I don't know. Like, I think especially with that group of seniors too. I mean, like, I feel like I know them, you know, I mean, because I've been working camps now for four years and I I feel like it's going to be sad for me that they're like not even like working camps and stuff like last year because they're just, it's a really good group. I mean, you guys just really have an incredible group for that thing. So, I mean, I think all of us can relate with our own teams, but yeah, no, like I I was looking at like some of the names the other day of like some of the graduating seniors and things like that. It's just like, holy cow, like, yeah, no, like, I feel like I, especially with like some of them, I was like, I, I feel like I know them at this point, you know, just because of all the, all the times that they've been my assistant coach at camps and things like that. Nikki, you see them. Nick sees them one of the most vulnerable. So we convinced the freshmen always to come work camp and none of the upperclassmen do because they know how terrible it is. But like he <laughs> sees them, like they're literally like, they can't stand up the entire time. They're exhausted. They're like, like begging to just do something that's not soccer related and Nick sees them at that point. So he always sees them so vulnerable. So he also knows them probably a little bit because they're probably like, I'm just so tired, Nick. (laughs) Help us, Nick, please, please help us. And he's all bubbly and going for like a five mile run and they're listening. (laughs) How are you doing it? Was, is that on the third or fourth run of the day? It could have been the third, but not the fourth. Yeah. Okay. I've heard on four, I don't think, but, uh, no, I, I, I worked one camp with Nick and he, I swear, went on three runs each day during the camp when he had a break. <laughs> the problem is you can't like do like super long ones because you don't have time because you got to get there at like seven, eight o'clock. So or you just time. don't do them, period. Or I'm that's an option. That is definitely <laughs> not. I, I feel like I, I feel like I would, re- I relate well to Paula because we're like, no, you, why run? 
that, that too much too much energy wasted the best one was the one time i dragged marissa on one with me in the morning and like she was so mad at me the rest of the day like we're really good friends and she was not happy with me the dude rest i'm not even your fiance and when you guys went on that what was that walk that you went on that what was we, did that? A, we did a marathon a 26 mile walk i yes. would have murdered you at like a mile so we were pretty good you did to, it like, by choice yeah we decided we wanted to do it like we're just like you know we're just we were in quarantine like and you're like like some people make bread some people like they're everyone got their like quarantine hobby and me and color like you know what that's just saturday let's just go walking walk a marathon is not a quarantine hobby so she'll get mad at me for saying this but so we were perfectly good until like mile 23 and then she like her hip and her feet started to hurt and like in you guys both know me like I, that was that moment where i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna be energetic i'm gonna i'm gonna power us through this so we brought like a little speaker and I started blasting Greatest Showman. And there was like one point where I'm singing it and I hand her the mic and the fake mic. And she was just like, no, not right now. Like she was like, you just need to stop. You didn't read the room well, did you? Yep. No. no. <laughs> I was just like trying to be like a- But I don't, but you, but I don't want to drive 26 miles right now. Do you no. want to drive 26 miles right now? I don't want to drive. I'm like, I'm tired after that. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, no, she was, that was the point where it was like, it's, we just need to get home. Like this, <laughs> we just need, we need to. What what home. mile did ice cream happen? We did we did ice cream right at like it was like twenty five and a half. Like we had like the last half mile of ice cream. That was better. She was happier after ice cream. She just needed some food. She must really love you. If she really does. I mean, honestly, like I, we talk all the time. I don't bring a lot to the table. Like she she. She, she makes more money than me. She's like, there's a lot of things that like, I, I don't know, like I'm, I'm friendly. And she's like, well, I'm friendly too. I was like, you have a point there. I, I, don't, bring, I don't bring a lot to the table. But. I feel like every marriage is like that, where there's one who does bring a significant amount to the table, but the one who doesn't bring a lot, what they bring though is muy importante. Whatever. Reachers and settlers in every relationship. Reachers and settlers. That's the same way with my marriage. Like Casey, there's a lot of things about me that are not like Casey, but what I what I bring to the table to steal next quote like is massive for for us as a marriage and as a family. What would that be? Um, you know that's a good question. I think Casey would say (laughs) this is the most questions we've ever been asked before. I I mean, I'm very like it's it's where it's a different type of interview. I'm loving it. I deflect a lot. It's okay. Um, I, you know, I'm always, I try to remember what she says. She says like the same thing about me every year on Father's Day. Um, like in a card? No, a Facebook post. Okay. okay. <laughs> that's, I mean, that, that's, ba- that's basically a card nowadays. Yeah, that's where um, it matters. You didn't get me a card. I post on Facebook. Oh, okay. Um, she says, that, so I definitely, um, I get our kids a lot differently than she does. Um, there are, uh, so she's already predicted cause I've already said on the show numerous times, probably before he's 13, Duke and I are going to fight shirtless in our front yard in front of the entire neighborhood. <laughs> um, and my wife has now gone on record saying like, she thinks her and Quinn, like as Quinn gets older are going to tussle. Um, and for whatever reason, like I, I just really get Quinn. I, I get her emotions. I get her reactions. I know what amps her up. I know what brings her back down. And so like when they have their little quarrels, I, step in after a while. I'm like, Hey, like, let's Aww. think about this. Um, I can't really do the same with Duke. Although I try most time he just tell dad, I do, you don't talk to me. Okay, sure. Um, but, uh, I, I definitely think I am the, um, uh, the butterfly. Like my wife's not very social. Um, uh, she's outgoing, but she's not very social. 
Um, you so, have to have one yeah. of those. Nick, so, that's probably has to be you. Yes, yeah, probably. yeah. Probably a little quiet. Yeah. yeah. Casey's not quiet. She just like doesn't really, yeah, doesn't really, like we, I, Nick and his fiance get to hang out with me and my wife and my wife was like super social and I was just like, really? yeah. Yeah. But she, she also was like, I've never met Nick before and I feel like I've known him for four years. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, episode, Paul, you're episode 150. You're, you're, yeah. you're like a very important episode. Oh, wow. And we've yeah. also never said like many episodes ago was our three year anniversary and we never did anything for it. We so we'll make this one the anniversary show. What is that? What's three years? What do you, I can't remember what you have to give somebody three years. You know, is it paper or wood? What is it? I'm uh, sure we can uh, find a piece of paper for you. Yeah, like a blanket. <laughs> like maybe a blanket. Yeah, I, got, I got plenty of paper around the house. So I'm sure we could send something something to you. All right, we're going back to Paula now. We're changing. We're changing well, Paula never, she never answered. I guess I was going to flip it around. You know, Nick brings what he brings to his, his oh, relationship. I bring what I bring to mine. What is it that Paula brings? Oh, my God. You're right. I don't know. I, I have to go back to my Facebook stuff and everything to figure that yeah. out. I, I have to probably say that... Uh, I can be social when I want. Nick knows this. I, I kind of like, I'm pretty recluse at camps and stuff like that. I keep my circle very tight, but when I want to kind of come out and uh, entertain or be whatever, I can do that. So I think I'm the, that part. Um, I am I'm definitely not the parenting guru. Like I feel like I'm the, Hey, let's do whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm like Disney dad. Uh, um, in our, our relationship. So, uh, I'm like, I come home and I'm like, Hey, let's hang from the roof here. You want some ice cream? Go ahead. Take it. I don't really care. So uh, maybe that's, I'm Disney dad. I don't really know. But. <laughs> is that what that is called? Like if you're the dad that just like lets wildness happen, you're the Disney dad? You never heard that before? No. I'm Disney dad. You're right. Are you the Disney dad? I, I'm, I'm the lot of dad. What, here's, now this is what Casey does say about me. She says that when our kids are teenagers, I will legit be like the, the coolest dad in the entire school. Aww. Just be, because I am like, um, I love chaperoning dances. I like getting out there. Uh, like oh. when I go help my wife chaperone a dance for her school, like I'll get out there. She's like, I'm not dancing. I'm like, I am. Um, uh, so I'm like, I, I guess like more modern stuff. Like, so me, I've always said for my kids, I can't wait till they're older. Like, yes, I'm enjoying it while they're younger, but when they hit that like junior high, high school stage, like that's what, that's, that's when your boy's going to like, my dad's <laughs> status is, is just going to explode. You when they're going to say, dad, stop embarrassing me. Right. Well, my wife already does that, but my daughter like eats into it. She's like, come here, let's go. And she's like right there with me. So I'm sure like, I'm very certain the three of us, Quinn, Duke and myself will embarrass my wife. Mm, that's just, right. that's a given. Yeah. That makes sense. Hashtag Disney dad. I like that. I, don't I, I, I do like that too. That's, that's. I can't believe I never heard that before. Yeah. Speaking but, of Disney and I, this is a great soccer podcast. Um, have you seen Hamilton on Disney plus? I have not. Oh, have Paula. Not. You well, need to. Well, when do I have time? Well, I, not I, to be the I, not to be the bearer of bad news, but I mean, you've got you've got a little bit of time to check out. Maybe a weekend. Well, well I have twin, uh, three year olds, oh. a boy and a girl. Oh, oh, okay. Um, yeah. maybe they were doing they... something today that I couldn't even keep up with. So, like, they're running around really fast. So, and basically, when the night's over, I want to be like this. This is past any bedtime I've ever been like seen. Nick, <laughs> Nick, Nick scheduled this. I know. By the way. He said you had to put your kids down, <laughs> which I appreciated because I had to too. So yeah. this well, is the night we normally I, and do. I can, it is Norman night that we normally do it. And I completely forgot last night that I decided I was going to go into work today. Cause like, so my kids quit Duke's back in school. Quinn's not. And so I've had to stay at home cause we don't have a babysitter and I'm only able to go into the office certain days. Um, and I completely forgot that I was going in today. And I like during the day we were doing something. I was like, 
we should just record right now. Like I'm sure everybody's in their office or they're doing something where like we could do this, but um, yeah, work, but yeah, sorry. Good for you that you have to help out with the kids. You know, well, I mean, and something you may not know about, Paul, I was a stay-at-home dad for four years. Love it. I, I, I coached in the, in the evenings and stayed at home with the kiddos during the day. That's awesome. You know, I was actually, um, in all this pandemic, you know, you have all these Zoom meetings and I wanted to keep my kids completely out of it, you know, whether it was with Big Ten or whatever. And I was talking to a pretty high up uh, women's uh, person in the soccer world. And she said, you know what? I'm at one of my kids' games and I'm swearing that my kids just give up a grand slam as a pitcher. She goes, because I'm going to let this person know that I'm a mom too. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to stop apologizing for it. So, you know what? You're exactly right. So that's something I got out of this pandemic is I'm, I'll, if my kid runs right behind me and is uh, throwing something in the air, <laughs> you know what? That's what it is. <laughs> that was the, the funny thing during the NFL draft was they were asking like, all the GMs about, you know, how, how are you going to feel doing the zoom uh, on draft night? And Chris Ballard from the Colts was like, look, I've got, I think he said he's got three kids and five dogs. He's like, somebody's going to run through the background. It's just, it, it's inevitable. Right. Something's going to happen. But um, I kind of wanted to go on, you know, we've been kind of doing this, this whole pandemic stuff for the last few weeks. And, you know, we've done recruiting through the pandemic and, and we've had uh, uh, Nathan Kogan on who coaching through the pandemic because he did uh, uh, have coronavirus and, you know, how that affected him and coaching and, and long-term effects. And one of the reasons why we want to have you on the show is, is just because of a lot of our friends in D1 have been, have been training for these last few weeks or, or the last month or so. Um, and kind of really before all these conferences started making their decisions, Nick and I were talking last week of like, I want to know what it's like actually coaching right now. Uh, and, and then it was like, all this happened after we, he had already said that you were coming on. I was like, all right, this is going to be awesome. You know, I, I'm, I'm watching, I'm seeing the pictures of Wisconsin during their training and then all this stuff goes down. So let's rewind a little bit before the bad news day. Uh, so let's start with the kids coming back to campus mm-hmm. and you're, you're getting adjusted to what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like, because obviously it's going to be different. Yeah. Um, what were some of the things that you and your staff talked about uh, for training that was going to be different uh, going forward because of, of the, the coronavirus? Um, well, the first part, we had to stay in pods. So they wanted to keep in pods. So if anybody contracted it, the whole team wouldn't be taken down with it. Um, that was one of the biggest ones that they had. So it was kind of hard to think about training and trying to divide people, but you couldn't even divide them how you wanted to. It was almost like, okay, they're roommate with that roommate and she's roommates with that roommate. So you actually almost like had to do contact tracing pods and you look at it and you go, okay, well now I have two teams of 12 because we had two pods. Um, and now you have 12. Well, now some kids came in a little bit later, so they couldn't jump into training because they had to be quarantined for a certain amount. So this group had eight, but this group had whatever. So it, you kind of had to find this, but one group now doesn't have a goalkeeper because, you know, all these different things. So you had to balance a lot of that out and try to figure out like what was best. But now you're playing a maximum of 4v4, 5v5. Um, so we got to a point where we said, you know what, like if we get it, we get it. We're going to do it, which maybe I shouldn't have had that mentality, the attitude, and people can write in and tell me that it was whatever. So we, we started playing a little bit bigger. But the biggest – Send all inquiries and, and upsetness to Nick Rizzo. Yeah, right. Wisconsin soccer care of Nick Rizzo. (laughs) The biggest thing is that they didn't allow us in the weight room. They didn't allow us. We did everything on the field. They didn't. They didn't allow us in the locker room. And the players' biggest concern was that they didn't have a chance to get to know each other, like the freshmen, because you know I'd go into my locker room and see kids like passed out from preseason, watching like the Food Network for four hours in between sessions, and that's how they got to know each other, right? Because some other kid would lay in there and be like, "Hey, how are you? I'm fine. What's your name?" (laughs) 
whatever. And they tell their stories about so cool. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they'd have the no more tech legs on, they do whatever they're doing, but they weren't going to have those moments because they would go back to their rooms and you know, part of it. And I, I think a lot of programs are this way, your tradition gets kind of handed down through those conversations, like, or the expectations, you know, I always say that, you know, I shouldn't, I don't know if this is right now, but young players are sort of like young puppies, you know, like Mm -hmm. you you, got to teach them what to do. Right. Like if you walk in the first day of preseason and say, we run 50 miles on the first day, you know, the freshmen go, what? Okay. Cause they don't know any different, you know? So the upper classroom really kind of condition them. Um, and a lot of it happens outside of it, not in it. So we had to create a, we created a lot more opportunities for them to have those kind of artificial moments so we could try to get them on the right page. So we focus a lot on that. Um, but I, you never got to train your team, did you? No. So yeah, we will start in two weeks. Really? It's yeah, coming. My, my, my girls move in tomorrow. Actually, some are, st- are already in town, but we have move-in day tomorrow. It, it was heaven. Yeah. I think, I mean, what I've been telling a lot of people is I don't care what type of environment it is. If it's pods, like, so we have to start for the first two weeks. We have to do groups of 10 or less. Like, I don't care. Like, just for them to be able to get out and see another human being and kick a soccer ball to them is for their mental health right now, 100% what they need. They just need to... And it's going to be safe. Everyone's going to be in masks. We're going to hand sanitize. I clean all the balls after every practice. It's, but like for just them to be even able to do that, it, like, and I saw your practice, the same thing, like on the picture you have, everyone's wearing masks the whole time, things like that. Like it looks weird, but sure for their mental health and everything, doing that was just changed everything for them. Well, their, their mentality was up. Like everything was up. It was, it was very good. Though, if you have the metal cloths and they get wet, they thought they were being waterboarded because they were like <laughs> sucking. <laughs> so complaining about that, but we tried a bunch of different things to figure it out. So, but, um, and they all thought they were unfit because they, once you lose your breath in a mask, it's kind of hard to get it back. But yeah. One thing I'm, I'm interested in, in, in your conversation with the team leading up to this, um, because I know like with my group I don't, and, and maybe it's just, I'm one of those. And as a parent, you know, this, like you get your kid excited about some event and that event gets canceled. And all of a sudden your kid is just, oh, they're so mad, you know, and, and whatnot. And, and you're upset as well because you know, maybe it's a, a monster jam or something, you know, cool thing you're going to take your kids to. Um, I just say it cause that's what happened to Duke right during this pandemic. We were supposed to go to monster jam and that got canceled and he was super, super pissed about it. So for me, like what I've tried to do with our girls is just be like honest, like, hey, here are three scenarios. Like, yes, scenario A is what is currently going on, but also know that scenario B and C could possibly happen. So let's prep ourselves. Like, yes, we're going to continue getting ready like everything's going through, but also keep in the back of our minds that these two things could happen. So at, at, and so like I said, I'm so intrigued for your program and, and, you know, other programs like yours and the stature that they are of, you know, what was that conversation that you are like, was there any talk of like possible choice of, or, you know, possible happening of season B or season C happening, or was it always forward, 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 forward? I went with the forward, forward kind of mentality um, with, with the conversation like this could change. Um, yeah. It was interesting because my two messages for them was that, I think you have to be prepared to pivot at any point. Like you have to be the most flexible. Like they might tell us that we can't have a meeting in this spot. They might have to tell us this because we were the first sport in, we weren't, 
football was even like a week behind us. And so we were the truly the guinea pigs. They're like, mm -hmm. oh, that didn't work. Where are you going to get your meals? Where are you dropping your food off? And so we took it as a badge of honor that we were going to be the flagship. Like we were, women's soccer was going to figure it out for everybody else. Um, and so I said, you, you have to, and you're asking the kids to be as flexible as you can, right? Like, listen, be as flexible as you can with it. And then I was saying, but one thing the pandemic has taught us is that our, our moment can be turned off really fast, right? It can be shut down really fast. Um, so we have to value every moment, be good and warm up, be good. This, because it might be your last one. It might be this. And I said, I don't want to be over dramatic about this, but it might be your last one. So value that value the time we have with one another, you know, spend the time to sit at the practice and laugh with one another, do that type of stuff. But it's, if you think about it, you're asking kids to do two amazing things that adults can't even do. Yeah. Right. And you're asking them to be as flexible as possible, but as diligent as you possibly can. Like, <laughs> you know, and you're almost like, <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. And, yeah. and I told them that I said, I, I don't know if you can really do this, but be as mature as you can in the moment to do this. And I said, like, you know, if you're, you're doing your warm up, don't, don't half ass it. Like try to get better in that moment because tomorrow it might not be. And it kind of played out to be that way. You know, however, they'd still have the spring, right? So it's not yeah. Yeah. for naught um yep. in that way and, and we're looking at it and we're going to focus on that and maintain that as best we possibly can but when you talk to your players talk about being as flexible as you can but as diligent as you can which yeah. is, well. <laughs> i think that's a good way to put it because again it, you you run into that thing where you don't want to get completely caught with saying like hey we're 100 and that was like my thing all summer is like hey we're we're this is the plan but again we're gonna have to adjust and i think did you find it was easier to be able to do that in person? Cause that's the thing I think I struggle with is like when we were doing it over zoom and calls and being like, Hey, this, this, and this, and we were talking on a call we had last night where we are so often the guiding light, we're the lighthouse for our team. Like you, if any, at any point they ask you something in a normal year, you have the answer. Like, Hey coach, what time are we leaving this? Hey coach, I have this class, this, 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 what do I need to do? you you talk to them and you make you have the answers and i think so many of our kids thought that we were withholding information from them just because we didn't have the information to give them and i think i was walking around with one of our captains because again they can't they're not even allowed in our office yet and so we we're literally just doing laps around the school the other day um and just talking to her and you could tell like being there in person and having those conversations gave a completely different just their reactions were her reaction was just so much calmer did you find that that was the case for you like being there in person and being able to have those difficult conversations is a lot easier than doing it and having these unknowns over the summer well i think so but because you guys may notice you i can read the energy of the room right you can feel how kids are reacting to you like you know those zoom calls they're just dead eyes most of the time because there's like yeah. 30 of them and you're like i can't even figure out who i'm looking at or talking to and i had a, i had to stop this because you would see a lot of this like, put your phones down. Stop texting each other. Like, <laughs> I know you're making fun of something I just said. So, like, you need to stop that, you know. But you could read the energy. You can feel the energy um, from it. I think that was a, a big difference. I think once you get them in front of you, it's, it's a little bit different because that energy they'll get back to you, you can kind of read. Whereas in Zoom, you can't. Yeah, no. And, and again, I think, I think that's been... I, I, that's the thing I think I'm mostly, our, all of our freshmen get here on Saturday. I think that's the thing I'm most looking forward to is just seeing them face to face and just being like, Hey, this is all crap right now, but we're going to do it together. And we'll, we'll make sure that no matter what happens, you're going to get out of this on the other side. And so that's definitely been the, it, I'm really looking forward. Like I've been counting down the days all week to be able to like, just get them here in person again, for sure.
Um, but to kind of switch gears a little bit, I, I, I think one of my favorite things of kind of about your story is like what you talked about earlier, like you going to Penn State and then making the transition to Wisconsin. And then one, one of the questions I have to ask, and I because I, I would be remiss if I didn't, what was it like coaching uh, one of our favorite duct tape ladies, uh, Tiffany Weimer at Penn State? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry you had to do that. <laughs> You know what, when you're in it, you don't understand it until you get out of it and then you see it from a different light. Um, I think every player is so unique and so special with, especially the, and I don't want to say this to make her head any bigger than it should be, but <laughs> when, you get to, when you get to coach a special one, something a little bit different. And um, I was talking to a, a recruit who she coaches now and I was talking to her and I said, you know, Tiffany's fitness was terrible. I used to run with Tiffany and I'm a terrible runner and I have to like pull her. Um, she never passed the fitness test and the kid was shocked. The recruit was shocked that Tiffany wouldn't pass the fitness test. And I was like, <laughs> hated Tiffany because she would score 28 goals in a season, but couldn't like even close to passing a fitness test. Um, but you know, uh, she was, by the way, she's the original princess. So it, she actually prepared me because Rose Lavelle became the next princess because, uh, they both kind of needed a little bit more love, a little bit more. And to be honest, it was, uh, more my assistant, Tim took care of Tiffany a little bit longer. Do, do you know if she didn't wear the headband, it was like kryptonite. Like if another team knew they just had to take the headband off her head. She would <laughs> wow. In between two NCAA games, Tim lost her headband at the laundromat and she imploded. And I, young head coach screamed at him. I'm like, how could you lose her headband? <laughs> And we saw all hope of making the final four completely gone because she was literally in a corner rocking back and forth because she didn't have her headband. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem when I talk to her. She doesn't have a headband on. She should put the headband back on again. Yeah. I, you know what? I think next time I can get around her, I'm going to bring her Super headband powers. back. Look, talk to me, put this on first, then talk to me. This is, it's the cape. You know, you need the cape. Although I do have on record, she sent me a DM that she really liked something of mine. And was like, I want you to know this is a great idea. And I was like, oh, well, thanks. And then she was like, by the way, this is Tiff. And I was like, oh, what? I know it's hard, right? It's it hard is. It is. I just want to make a note of this real quick before we keep going, Nick. We went 40 minutes before someone even said the name Rose Lavelle. Oh. I was we're, seeing, we're, not, we're here to interview Paul. We're not here I to was seeing, Paula about Rose. I was trying to see if we could go the whole time without saying it. But Paula opened Well, up. I kind of related. I'm sorry about that. But no, that's all right. about Tiffany? So I... I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't tell the story, but Tiffany. Um, no, please do. I, when I was at Penn State, we we would beat teams by a lot, right? Like, um, and at that time, it was whatever. And so I would bring Tiffany out of the games because if we were up six nothing, there was no reason to keep her in the game. But her mother really wanted me to keep her in so she could break all the scoring records, right? But I, I didn't want to do that. Like I wasn't that type of coach. I think we'd be Iowa one year nine nothing. Um, way back, back in the nineties. And, um, so I saw Tiffany the other day and she said, you know, Paula, I'm so thankful you brought me out of games. And I was like, like my, I was shocked. <laughs> I was like, what? And she goes, I know my mom was upset with you and she still holds a grudge. About, I don't know, maybe 17 years later. Um, but she said, I knew that you, if by doing that, you probably, I probably avoided injury. And I was like, huh. I didn't know that as a coach and I wasn't doing it that reason, but okay, you're welcome. <laughs> Again, people don't, you should have just looked at her back. Yeah, that's that what I was exactly doing the whole time. Wild. So yeah, her mom still holds it. I think a grudge on me that I didn't let her play that entire time to break all the records. But um, the best, best story about Tiffany, we were playing Minnesota and 
Um, she was about to set the record with Christine Sinclair for the number of games consecutive scoring a goal, right? It was like 18 or something like that. Like That's Brandy Chesney had held the record before that, but Sinclair hadn't scored that night. So if Tiffany scores that night, she holds the record completely by herself. She's at, we're at Minnesota. It's the crowd is just brutal. They're yelling, like they're yelling terrible things at her and everything like that. Get a new and, headband. The, yeah, the, the Minnesota bench is up against the line and they're screaming at her. And every time the ball's near her, they're just, they're interfacing wrong things, right? And she turns to the bench very calmly and says, I have more goals than your entire team this season. Shut <laughs> up. And she did. That's, a, that's such a Tiffany call. That's a goat. That's a goat move right there. But <laughs> I would never forget that call. Like, good for you, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's a go moment right there. For so, sure. so you mentioned that, you know, coaching Tiffany kind of like prepared you for, for, you know, uh, players continuing going on, you know, what were some of the things that you learned about yourself as a coach, having a player, um, like Tiffany on your, on your roster? Um, a lot of people probably won't agree with me, but I think, uh, goal scorers have to be protected. They do things that. Thank you. Don't, and sometimes it looks lazy, but sometimes it's how they kind of read the game to do things a little bit better. Um, and then when they don't score, people get mad about it. But I think you have to protect them because they might have a bad game, but they might score a goal at the very end just because of what they know how to do. I think you have to protect those guys a little bit more. Um, I, I protect. I think that's what my college coach did. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I think so. I'm going, I'm going with that. I think that, that you also have to recognize the pressure they're under too. They're under like pressure from parents and, and other people that their their expectations in every game that they have to come and they put their own expectations on themselves. So um, I, I like working them. They're a lot more energy. You have to spend a lot more energy on them, but those relationships usually are pretty incredible. So um, I, I think Tiff taught me a lot. What was about it like for you the first? The what? No, no, finish that thought and then I'll, and I'll go. Um, like Tiff would tell me like, she goes, you know, um, she wouldn't pass the fitness test and you know we put a lot of pressure on the fitness test and there's a kid who passed it but wasn't as talented as tiffany and so like you almost have to tell kids like talent matters like yeah like i'm you can you know tips like i can dribble up and down i can juggle up and down the field without the ball dropping that kid can't juggle more than four times i spend my energy in a different area and i thought fair answer right like i can't argue that so you like to have both but yeah no, and that's tough. I mean, in I, I think when you have players like that, yeah. I mean, it's it, we always say that like you treat you treat them fairly, not equally. You know, like you have to you treat every player with a certain level of respect and decency and stuff like that. But you can't treat everyone the same because everyone's different. They're a different human being. But kind of the transition that I know we talked about this a little bit in the show in Baltimore, but I think it's such an important story to bring up because I think it reveals kind of your character as a person and it's a difficult thing to do and i don't know if i would have been able to do it in, the, in your shoes but yeah how um, do you hire nick every year to work your camps that is yeah, right. that is a commendable personal thing <laughs> yeah to do. real real that's that's number one question i sneak in i sneak in they say it's like oh it's he's here again i guess well i guess we'll, we'll keep him around but um but yeah no like for you when um you first get that call from jill ellis about roosevelt and it Roosevelt at the time was very injury prone and had a, a few things that you thought that she needed to improve before she was ready to be a national team level player. Like what was that conversation like with Jill and what was that conversation like with Rose following? Cause I, I know at the time I've read articles, it's, 
it wasn't probably your favorite moment as a coach of all time. I know. I thought something was going to be thrown at me or sent to me. And I thought she was going to walk out and not play the rest of the season. That's what I thought was going to happen to me. But um, I actually remember the phone call because I was driving back from a recruiting event talking to Jill. And I'll be honest, Jill wasn't very happy with me. She wanted Rose in right then and there. Like, that's what she wanted. And I was like, she's not going to perform. Like, she's tired. She's mentally tired. She's physically tired. You're not going to get out of it, her out of it. Um, and I actually think somebody from Stanford went in and got injured, actually, during that time period. Um, and I just thought it wasn't the right timing for her. So, um, but I th also thought that Rose needed to hear the message from Jill because I had been banging my head for a while with it. Um, and not because Rose was, uh, she, we didn't have a relationship. I think she had been successful without changing it, but she didn't understand that changing to the next level was going to need another change, if that made sense. Like, I think you, you all probably have players like that. Like, got to change one more. Well, I'm okay with where I'm at. Well, okay, that's fine. But how can you get to the next little part? Like, what are you going to do? And I think that was what I was trying to get across from her. And, and you know what? The story is great because it worked out. <laughs> You know, she, yeah. part of it, Rose had a relief because she knew that Rose, that Jill would still bring her in, not coming in that time. So she knew that she had another opportunity. And I think that relief actually helped her start to play better again. So, because um, otherwise I didn't think she was going to be worthy of the way she was playing at the time. No. So you should get two, thank, three thank you cards every year. Brianna, yeah. Jill, and Rose. <laughs> and Tiffany. And, and four, Tiffany. yeah, absolutely. Four thank you cards every year. I'm waiting for I mean, I, I, it's amazing. I like Rose is somehow scoring like at it, like for the national team at like the same rate that she scores for, scored for you guys back in the day. She never scored for us. I know. The biggest joke, the biggest funny thing was that like she would take corner kicks for us and like she was partly she was injured a lot, but like the ball like against Ohio State, I think the ball hit the track more than it actually hit the field. And I said, You're taking set pieces for the national team now? What? <laughs> oh, I know, Paul, I know. But seriously? You couldn't get it on the field? But now you're whipping them on the World Cup? Okay. Yeah. She's like, will you ever – she came back to visit, and she's like, you know, I ever want to come back and be humbled. I just come back here. I guess I just get knocked down all the time. <laughs> I, was, I was getting ready to ask, like, you know, when you're watching her play, you know, do you ever send a message after game? Like, hey, like, good game, but – That is true. That yes. Happens. That happens, yes. That but is most, incredible. I'm, I'm more of a hype. I'm more of Disney dad now. I'm more yeah. like, I'm more of a Disney dad with her. And I'm like, good job. Well done. You were okay. No, that was all right. You know, you <laughs> it wasn't spectacular, but you did okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, one of my favorite moments from last summer was uh, we were at your camp at, during the day of the World Cup, and you guys had, like, pushed – like, you had done signups, but you had pushed it so where we everyone could watch the World Cup. Um, and so we're I, – again, I, I was with you and uh, Marissa. We were in um, – whatever that dorm room is, we kind of snuck away to, to watch the, the thing. And I remember as soon as she scored that goal, Marissa turns to you and goes, she's never, I'm never going to get a text back ever again now. Like I'm never going to get, she's never going to respond to my text anymore. But I, I, she seems incredibly humble. And uh, again, seems like a person that will probably still respond to Marissa's text every once in a while. You know that she called us that night though. She called us that night yep. from France. Yeah. It wasn't coherent, but she did call us. <laughs> she, she had had a, she had had a few of these at this point no that uh, team does not Budweiser, drink those I things the diesel <laughs> that's if that's that's if the mua sisters will let them have any i was gonna say after houston celebration i i don't know if there's any bud light left in texas right now. seriously good for them <laughs> the mua sisters are i think they're stock owners in anheuser i didn't because... know we could we could drink on this show i would have yeah. brought my 
Oh yeah, no, totally alone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's how it's how you get in the mood. Me and well, me and my ice water, but um, <laughs> you got a Stella poster back there. I do, I do, and it's from uh, the um, uh, what's now the International Champions Cup or whatever it's called now. I actually got that in Baltimore uh, at the Chase ALC Milan game. My cousin took it off of a bar barricade for me. Thank you, John. Um, and you, you guys were talking about like Rose. So my daughter and I got to meet her uh, this past fall, um, oh. right after the World Cup. Uh, she uh, was at the um, Louisville Duke women's soccer game, and uh, it was really cool. Like just to, you know, Quinn got to talk to her for just a little bit, but like, like you would have never assumed like, hey, this is you know, the, the superstar that we think that we see on TV or anything like that, like how much time she spent with every little girl that was in line, talked to every parent that was in line, uh, you know, and it was just so cool. Like I really, you know, as someone who didn't really know of her that well, other than, Hey, she's a fantastic player to actually get to see her even from a distance of like her, the human really sold me on her. And like, we're so pumped. Like Quinn's got her picture, signed in her room and i was like i'm gonna put this up in my office too so i got one and uh put it up in my office it's also kind of cool because it's uh uh quinn's i think is when i wish i could remember what game quinn's pictures from but i made mine is radford she scored the goal in the final and it's her on the ground screaming celebrating and one of the things is when our players and our recruits have come in my office and seen that picture, A, it's like, oh my God, do you know Roosevelt? And I'm like, no, I, I stood up and I got her, <laughs> got her autograph. But I'm like, but this picture though inspires me. Like here's somebody who's worked her way up. This is in the World Cup final and look at that emotion. Like that's the emotion I want us to have every goal we score. Yeah. And you see players just like, oh, oh, coach. I can show some emotion. So it's like, it, it's like I said, it's like for me, like I learned so much about her, uh, so much more about her just in that, like watching her interactions with common people uh, that really made our whole, I mean, our whole household was fans of her before, but then after just like that little moment with our daughter, uh, like our, our whole house was just like Rose gang. Nick, did you, did she work camp? So my first year she worked camp and she was, uh, you guys make fun of her all the time because she was the worst camp counselor of all time. Work, worst camp counselor. <laughs> I believe you said that in Baltimore too. <laughs> yeah. I do remember hearing that. Um, I was going to say, you guys did call her princess the first time I got there. We were in – we didn't stay in the dorm that we, like, typically stay in. We were the one that was, like, right next to the joke. And I still remember, like – because I walked in and, like, at the time, like, I was so nervous. I was first-year head coach, and I was just trying to, like, hide from everyone and just make sure I uh, I just fit in okay. And I remember seeing her. I was like, oh, that's – that's Roosevelt, like national team player. And uh, cause it would have been going into her senior year was my first year. And uh, yeah, no, so I definitely, she was not my assistant coach. I don't know who you guys play with, but she was not my assistant coach. She's tiny though, isn't she? She's so tiny. Oh my gosh. Like so, so tiny. Yeah. Oh, though, she, though she may be small, she is fierce. Isn't she, that how the yeah. saying goes? She is Ooh. mighty. Um, but yeah, no, you, I mean, you guys have some goat camp counselors. Like I honestly, you guys are going to miss Peyton so bad next year. <gasps> Oh, I don't even talk about it. That's so sad. Peyton is like the, she's like the, and Jordan McNeese too. Like you're going to, like, oh. are you going to have McNeese for one year, more year or is she gone? No, she's the fifth year. So we're, we're, that's what we're talking about right now. Trying to figure it out. So don't get me to your head right now. Don't get me to Okay. I won't bring up any more names of people I know, but there's, those are like the, the goat camp counselors for sure. I admit, I, I just love that McNeese requests me now. So like, I know what I'm getting out of everyone now. Because like she sometimes knows to, she knows like, because of your energy she can be lazy. Yep, 
Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. But she, for me, she like, she is awesome. She brings the boom box and like walks around with the boom box. The kids love her. She's phenomenal. Oh, I've had her, I've had her for five of your camps. Like she, I've had her for an insane amount of your guys' camps. Wow. Maybe the next camp I'll be your assistant. Oh my gosh. Yo. Yeah. Will you bring the be, boom box? I've been so nervous all the time. I'd be like, okay, I got to make sure I do a good job. I did I coach know. with you. I did coach with you last time. I would learn so much from you. <laughs> I think you learn from everyone you watch. That is, you are, you are very kind. I don't know if you could learn from me and Sean, but most people that statement would be applicable. I don't think anybody wants to be my coach. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so remember Pia, the, the national team, she was Sweden and all that yeah. stuff. When I was, my first got the head coaching job at Penn State, I was like freaking out because I had no idea what to do. None, none. Like I was like, I'm 27 years old. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, um, with this program? Like they're in the final four last year. What am I supposed to do? And um, I sat down with her because she was here coaching with Mark Coyne with the Philadelphia Charge at the time. And she said, you know, um, players tell me have the best answers. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, if you don't know what's, what to say, ask the player. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, they say, well, should I run there or there? Say, what do you think you should do? Just, it gives you time to think. <laughs> and then once after you get your philosophy down, you know, you can answer it based on what they say, right? Because they say sometimes the, the players see the game differently than you. And it's okay because they may come up with a good idea. And I was like, oh, all right. And then she goes, well, can I come up and watch you coach at Penn State? And I was like, uh, <laughs> you're like internationally, like, and she's like, but you learn from everybody you watch, even if it's something that they do, it's a little bit different. Um, and that's why I love going to watch club coaches because I think they're brilliant. I think that some of the things that they do, like you, you just hear them say something that you think, Oh, that makes sense. That tone, that, that word and you ingrain it to what you're going to do. And I think that's really awesome. So I love watching other people do stuff. I've Nick, I've watched you do your stuff. I can watch it from far away and, and mm -hmm. I have an idea of what's going on. So I, I did get to, I, I got to coach you do the last camp and uh, you sent me a really nice message afterward that like literally made my head like bigger than this room. And so it was, it was a good day for me that day. Yeah. I, I really like seeing other people do stuff. I really, really do. If you show up to Owensboro, Kentucky this fall, I will lose my mind. <laughs> 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 I don't know if I'm leaving the state, but that's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's so cool to, to have you on with us this weekend. And like we say, you know, we, we, we've been trying to gauge with, especially with this pandemic, just in the last couple of weeks about how, you know, people are adjusting, you know, for you having that conversation just recently with, with everything, with the, the Big Ten shutting down for the fall and whatnot, what's now the adjustment for you going forward? You know, what is, obviously, I, I forget what uh, AD I read um, said, you know, that was one of the, the worst days and the strangest days of, of their career. But when they went to bed, they went to bed with a clear head saying, okay, tomorrow we get back to work. We're going like, we, we start day one tomorrow on what we're doing going forward. So for you, what is that? You, you've had that moment with the team. You've talked about it. You've had some time to sleep on it. Now what's that next day for you? What are, what's the, the plans going forward for, for you as a staff and as a program? Um, I thought there was a, I, I call this a period during the pandemic and I don't know if you guys have, it, it was like a bad breakup, right? Like it was kind of like season's going to go straight ahead. You're starting preseason. Uh, we, it, there's rumors that it might end. Go ahead. Keep going with it. Testing's going well. Uh, there's some, whatever. It's like a bad break. You know, you're breaking up with somebody like, Hey, you want to get back together for a little while? Uh, I need time. I need space. And so the, I guess the decision was 
not pleasant, but it was okay. You're right. It now gives us a direction that we can go in and we have. Yeah. I think, and I, I told the players this, and I told them this in preseason, oddly enough, we've always asked for more days of preseason, right? Because 14 days to prepare a team physically and mentally is insane. You talk to anybody internationally, they're like, Americans are stupid, right? And sure. we all think there's, there's, there's money issues and everything like that. And so I told the team, I don't know if I can do a preseason over 30 days. Like when I said that, I meant like, you know, making sure we maximize everything, but keeping them healthy, keeping them fit, keeping them mentally into it, all those things. I said, you have to bear with me. I'm human. I'm figuring this out for the first time. Um, and it's the first thing I said to him again, I said, listen, we're going to start training on September 1st. That's what we're allowed to for what we've been told until Thanksgiving. And I said, so you're going to have to bear with me again, because I'm going to have to figure out how to monitor you. I have Marissa on me constantly. This is their GPS data. This is their information. This is what we're trying to do. We got to give them a peek here. We got to do this. Um, and so again, I think it's sitting down and saying, okay, how do we maximize what we're doing to that? So we have to come up with another game plan and we're going to spend the next two weeks kind of preparing uh, and getting for that because I think that's going to be such a challenge because then we're going to lose them for a month and a half basically. And we don't even know when we're starting again. Um, and so the other part of the other thing that we, I told the players is that I want them to give me feedback, what they want the spring to look like. I can't guarantee it. I can't tell them what they think is going to, what they're going to give us. I said, but we can come with them and say, this is what the athletes think would be a good opportunity. And I said, I think that they need to be part of that. And I said, I said, to be honest, I don't have any of the, all the answers, but you guys need to ask me questions so I can come up with the answers or find the answers somewhere because it's going to be part of it. And what I don't know you need, you need to tell me because you know this, I might, Mick might know this, but like, I always ask my players this, what color am I thinking right now? Go ahead, Sean. Red. It's always black. I'm wearing black. Nick would know that, yes. right? I don't. I, I don't that. get to go to. I don't get to come to camp. I don't know this. <laughs> but, but don't your players? You know this. They all make up stories of what you're thinking. Yeah. They don't know what you're thinking. You yes. could have had a bad day. You could have walked into practice, had a bad day because you fought with your wife about being a Disney dad, and now <laughs> they think that because you looked at them wrong that you're cutting them, and you're like, and then they take that story and they run with it so far and so fast. So I always say, if you have that issue in your head, come tell me. I had a player once say, I got so upset because I get to the hotel room and my name was scratched out. Um, there was somebody else's name, they scratched it out and put my name on it. Uh, how long have you been holding on to that for? She's like, all season. And I'm like, what? I can't fix it if you don't tell me. So yeah. um, I, I said, they really have to be part of this process. They really have to. And I'm not saying that I will change for their whims. Like, hey, Paula, we went off three days a week so we can go party that's not going to happen right yeah. but maybe two you know, days. There are some interesting <laughs> things that they might come up with that would help us kind of moving forward yeah i, I, I kind of like that perspective of you know okay like what as as players because i think that's something that's kind of been talked about and nick and i have kind of kind of mentioned this too like with a lot of these decisions like how often are the players included on these things like hey like what do you think would work for you or what do you think would be best for your group so i really like that idea of hey I can't guarantee that the spring will look like what you want, but as a player, like what would you like it to look? I love that idea. And now I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Thank right. you. But you have to ask the right players, by the way. Yes. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know any of, I know, I know uh, two of the players of the eight that are signed coming in. I know them pretty well enough that I could ask that. Yeah. There's a, like there, I was thinking about that actually, I think it was today or yesterday. Cause I, and we have our end of season meetings and I always ask players like, Oh, what could I do better? 
and the ones that never play like, everything have, like so many things that i can do better i was like i need to i just need to ask the people that like, are actually going to give me an answer that's not just i'm horrible at coaching um yeah but no one question i did want to say is like, it's buried in coaching right every fault you ever have gets put out by those those players oh. saying something to you yep. so i have come back saying this at every end of every meeting what else can i do to help you what because if they if they don't answer it then don't ever come back and say something to me i asked you it's an open forum no yep. it's usually crickets. no i think you're doing everything all right well <laughs> don't write that in my email I, I will give you a ton of credit because I, I, again, I've never been in one of your guys coaching staff meetings for your team and stuff, but Marissa, whenever we talk soccer and it's sometimes most of the time it's over beers is if I say I'm going to do something with my team this year, she will ask the most pointed questions until I can justify every single reason why I would do it. And like, it's exhausting sometimes with doctor because like, I really have to like work around. She's such a good friend. Like I, I was texting her last night, but like she, like it, I imagine in your meetings, like you have to be so prepared whenever you're making any decision ever, because she is going to ask just the most pointed questions to make sure you know what you're doing. That's surprising. Cause she's afraid of me. Oh, <laughs> but, but she does sometimes. Um, has she told you what happens when she does something not right? No. She has to go for a walk with me. So when I say, let's go for a walk, because when we walk, we walk side by side, right? We're not, it's not confrontational because she doesn't yep. like confrontation, right? And I'll be like, so why do you think we're walking right now? <laughs> like, that's oh. such a mom right there. That is yes, such a mom. That's incredible. I love that. <laughs> let's go for a walk. <laughs> and like Tim, our assistant will see us walking out and he'll be like, <laughs> but I do it all the teacher. Like I teach her. Like I think part of it is that she has to like I said I'll, a lot of times I'll do stuff and I go, why am I doing this? Or why am I telling you to do this? And she'll be like Oh no. And I'm like, <laughs> you have to know why so I can teach her. Because I think the other job is to teach my I, I don't think about Tim because he's he teaches me a lot, but um teaching her like how to manage people, how to talk to people, like how her role can really like because you know this, like players will say more stuff to her than they will to me. So they'll lie to me like, how's your soreness today? And they'll be like, it's like a two. And like, they'll go to her and like, it's like a 10. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like they don't want to lose face. So she needs to figure out like this or she'll need to like talk to a player and go, you know, Paula won't, won't accept that. Like you might want to move on or figure out something differently or don't ask her that. So like, she's a great buffer for, in that way but yeah even, even over beers she speaks so highly of you like even over beers like i and i've had plenty of beers with her over the over the years like she still speaks incredibly highly over you even after like five or six years <laughs> and and also do you know that what you do with her is an actual educational um uh tactic it's called really? walk and talk really true story so in this and this might interest you because you were talking about relationships and, and stuff like this and teacher look up social emotional learning and when you were, when you talked about how, like, if she does something wrong, you know, Hey, let's go for a walk. A lot of social emotional learning is developed around the relationships that you build with a, a, a kid or a player, student, whatever it may be. And part of the interaction when a problem has occurred is the walk and talk form of figuring out what the problem is, solving it or coming up with a solution uh, to wherever the issue may be. Wow. How smart did I just sound right there? 
that, that was all recorded too. The smartest you've ever sounded on this show. For sure. Yes. 150 episodes in, you finally did it. I pay so much attention to my wife because <laughs> that's because like that's an like, that's an actual thing is walk oh. and talk, and it's something that uh, um, when I worked at her school, one of the things that we did with SEL work uh, with kids is whenever something if something went wrong or they did something wrong we would we would take them out of class and we would go for a walk uh or maybe we we go to uh we would walk them to the gym and, and shoot hoops for a little bit as we talked about it but the walk and talk i was as soon as you said it i was like she is doing the walk and talk wow i do that with a lot of players i i, I don't sit in my office because i feel like it's more confrontational it's me against them rather than just and there's a desk like the desk make yeah. makes it intimidating too but uh, we will, for all of our listeners, we will have Snopes verify if, uh, if Sean is telling the truth about that actually being a technique. So we'll, we'll get that back to you in a little bit. Hey, oh, I didn't know I did that. I'm telling you, walk and talk. It, uh, my, my wife, it, she sings the praises of it. And I've watched her do it with kids. And so coaches who are listening to this, this will be the one thing you pick up from us is walk and talk. Walk and like and you walk. said, like, and, and, and exactly what you said is what its purpose is, is not to be confrontational, to ha- keep it level and to be able to discuss whatever the issue may be or problem may be and how to solve it. Yeah. Huh. I do with players at practice too. Like if being in practice, you know, I'd say turn around, let's walk down to the sideline. So, and I usually say, act like you're crying because if everything's going <laughs> I, I, I want people to know that I make you cry. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> such a mean person. <laughs> you know, I, I hate that we, we, we have to wrap up. Um, but this is probably the longest like interview we've done in forever because it was just so easy. We got to, like forty minutes, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god, we're forty minutes in already." Yeah, you, see, you're, you, the the head shake that you just did that no one can see like shows like, "Oh crap!" Like it's been that long. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the thing we always try to get coaches connected here. Maybe there's someone who uh, is dealing with princesses and they don't know how to deal with it, or you know, maybe they want to learn, uh, you know, how. Um, to work with their assistants and, and to teach them, you know, kind of with the, the techniques and the stuff that uh, you do with, with your staff. Um, you know, is, is there, is there a way that, that people can get in contact with you and how can they do so? Um, absolutely. I, I guess I'm, I'm so um, antiquated about stuff. I would just say email is the best way. Um, it's PLW at Wisconsin. Oh no, at athletics.wisc.eu or just send it through Mariska Kresge because she is kind of my uh, yeah. my staff assistant. And uh, actually, if it goes through Marissa, it probably gets to me a little bit faster. But I think, uh, and I love coming on this show. I, uh, my wife was asking about like going on the show, and I said I, I love this because one thing I think I've lacked in my career is the ability to like reach out and help people when they need to. Like I, I really do. I, I was we were filming our practices at three season here, and um, I was like, they're from like a big aerial like uh, shot, and I'm like. I should just give this to club coaches so they can not saying like, Oh, this is great. But like, I know as a coach, I would just want to look at it and see what people are doing um, yeah. and give them that stuff. But um, I, I really want to help people. I want them because I know, and it's always, I think a kind of a two way street. Like you, if you meet and be, meet these relationships with people, then you learn from them also. It's like, I just learned about the walk and talk. I would have never known that. Uh, so I, I, won't lie most people think i'm pretty unapproachable just because i do have a close circle of friends and i kind of stay that way but i really do want to help people i want to see people be successful and um i've seen people who i've who said to no to me recruiting who've gone somewhere else that now have come back and i can help out and uh i'm i think i've got to the point in my career where i'm not uh I, i'm not threatened but like 
I'll do what I do and I'll do it as best I possibly can. But if somebody can do a little better and I help them do it, then I've done a good job of it. So I actually have a, I have an inductive book. I have one of your guys' full sessions written out. That's your, that's your passing pattern right there. And then oh, uh, the four V or the bumpers. Studies your this transition game. I, I definitely that shout out to Duck Pig for that. I, I definitely wrote down one of your sessions one time. So Nick, if you want to ask Marissa for all the video, like she sent me, she's actually sent me your sessions before. What? Yeah. She what? didn't ask. <laughs> I was like, I really she's like gonna have, She's going to have to walk and talk tomorrow. <laughs> so she literally sent me like, so yeah, this is definitely a walk and talk moment. Be like, you were giving our sessions away? I sent him to Ohio State and Penn State the day after. It was, it, was a real, it was a big thing. But now, Paula, you can turn that around and say that's why they won the Midwest Conference Championship last year. Because you guys won Big Ten. So, I mean, that was, that was how it happened. It was just reciprocated down for, for us. Or they saw their stuff and didn't know how to do it, and they were like, that's crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get to, and you talked about, you know, people think you're unapproachable. My first interaction with you was at a convention where uh, Nick and Becky and myself just randomly approached oh. you. Um, out of the blue uh, for that was a, terrible a segment. Choice of song, by the way. No, and th well, I, that's why I was going to bring up before we got here was, um, you know, we, we approached you uh, about the segment that we were filming for the sketch of our uh, coaches social. Uh, and of all the ones that we had, your response was the absolute number one of them all. It got like, the most laughs. At the it social. got tremendous reaction. Uh, the crowd popped really big for yours. You, you used it? Oh, yeah. It, it was, was incredible. Coaching. How could it we not? not? There, was, there was at least 100, 120 coaches that saw There that. were so – no. Paul, let me explain this to you. And, and I'm not going to repeat it because if Jill you were Ellis there, you there. know. Jill Ellis loved it, by the way. <laughs> Yours was so real. So many others were lame. And, like, the whole time like, I'm editing it all together, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like – this needs some peppiness. And then I remembered like, cause yours popped up for me to put into the thing. And I was like, yes. Like it this was a is song. My team, when we won the big 10 championship in 2014, they, they sung it all the time. And that was, it popped into my head. And like, after I walked away, there's so many other different songs I would pick. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It, it was well, it my personality the best, unfortunately. Hey, that, that, and that's what the question was. That's what the question was. And if you don't know about it, well, I'm sorry. You weren't there to figure it out. Yeah. Paula, thank you so much. We won't take up any more of your time. You've got, uh, the kids are, are put to bed. So you got some time to, to relax and maybe watch Hamilton uh, before you go to bed. But uh, like two and a half hours, you're probably not getting through it tonight. We have to watch it in segments because it's long, right? It's long, but like, no, you get hooked into it. Like, the first time, like, my wife has watched it literally every other day since it's come out. Like, it's been played 50 times in our house. She watches it on the elliptical when she's not watching that weird show. I'm trying to do The Last Skywalker right now. I haven't got that one done yet. I'm a Star Wars fan, so that's terrible. Same. It happens. You are? It happens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in a star Wars, um, uh, message group with like a bunch of my buddies are star Wars guys. I'm not, but when the first of the new ones came out, I went and watched it and I had so many questions. And like one of my buddies, who's the biggest star Wars guy I know, I sent him like a bunch of questions and he was like, I'm going to add you to a group that's going to change your life. And I add nothing to the conversation other than just like random questions after the movies come out. And did it change your life? No. Yeah. It, it also, it made me realize like, and that's that I thought I knew about. You the, more I, life than other people? Yes, you said it. You said it for me. You said okay, it for me. I've asked this to all the recruits that I have. So I'm going to ask you guys, I need one show that I can start binging the whole way through. 
Not binging. I don't need to binge, but I need to go pace. I, Hamilton, obviously, but give me one show. What, <laughs> what are you into? Always, my go-to is always How I Met Your Mother. Me and, me and Kelly actually binge that through all of quarantine. You already did it? All right, so I just I finished um, uh, Ozarks, and I'm kind of bloodline right now. Um, what what shows do you like? Because then I can better cater my. Because I yeah, because I I, mean, I don't watch a lot of TV shows, but I guarantee you what I watch like I don't think is your cup of tea. Go try this one. Um, so I really like this show um, that's on Netflix. My wife hates it. It's called People Just Do Nothing. Um, it's about it's two comedians who are aspiring rappers. Um, who start a underground radio station in a, a random apartment complex in Brentford over in England. They recently just were Brentford FC sponsors for like four games this year with their TV shows, radio uh, station logo on it and everything. Yeah, um, no. yeah no, you, you it, can keep it, talking, but no. But the, the one I always tell people, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but if you, you can find it typically on YouTube and stuff like that is they tried it in America and it lasted one episode, but the British version of it went four, four seasons. It's called coupling. And it was the British version of friends. friends. Watched it already. Yeah. Um, you watched coupling. Yeah. But way back, this was like years ago. Yeah. So my, my mom got me hooked on it. Like right when I went off to college, uh, yeah. about the time that it started. And I, like, I loved to watch it. My roommates would always make fun of me. And then like all of a sudden they started getting into it. Well, then all of a sudden, like my mom, this is to date it, would film the episodes on VHS for me and send it up. Wow. Uh, and so we would have like massive coupling parties at our apartment, a bunch of 19, 20 year old kids all sitting around like cracking up crazy over Jeffrey. Oh, yeah. Jeffrey. Yep. I did see that one. So Nick, give me your, give me your suggestion. I'm trying to think now, I'm trying to think of shows that I've watched all the way through. I'm not good at like watching shows like from start to finish. I'm, I'm good. You, I, I don't know if you've done Game of Thrones. I did that one. I did The Wire. Did you do House of Cards? I do. I've done House of Cards. Have My you done wife's done House of Cards. Yeah. The Wire? The Wire? Have you either of you guys ever seen that? No, my I dad haven't. liked it. My dad Bef liked that one. Before I uh, joined the staff at University of Evansville, that's what they watched on every road trip for like the previous two years. It's interesting because it, I, I like it because it gives a perspective to like both sides. Like there's, there, there's good and bad guys of both the police and the people on the streets. Like there's, there's people you can root for and root against that. So it, it doesn't have like a bias for who's the good guys, who's the bad guys. You kind of have to figure it out for yourself. So that's why I always like that one. The wire it is. Yeah. The wire, it's good. Know. It's it, honestly, it's, it's older too. It would have been like, um, I think it was like when I was in college, it would have been like 2006 yeah. to like 2009. Better than selling sunsets or something like that. So. I really think the only show that I ever like binged watch like in this like Netflix era is Glow. I didn't know. Did you like that? I did. Yes. And it was actually it gets it's really good actually. Really, I got the first half through the first episode, and then I kind of because I was in the Breaking Bad stage at that point. Yeah, I like Breaking Bad, so I have done Breaking Bad. That's a good one. I don't. I like I said, I don't watch a lot of like shows. I'm more of like an events guy. Like I'll watch games or, or something like that. But um, yeah, Glow was like the last one that I, that I like binge watch. I remember I watched one of the seasons in like a day. Did but, you do, Paul, have you done Cheer on Netflix yet? Oh yeah, I didn't, but I. It, it was interesting. No, it wasn't. You didn't like it? 
I said, I like honestly, like I, I watched it. And I was like, ah, like this is like I'm inter like the the coach and everyone's. Just, it's kind of crazy. Like they're just nuts. Like down there, it's absolutely crazy. That's true. Um, thank you guys for having me on. I feel honored. I really do. No, you're honored. One hundred and fifty. It's a big yeah. One hundred and fifty. <laughs> People can't see this, but she's like celebrating with the arms up in the air and and just the Roosevelt doing the. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Do you ever like find pictures of her face celebrating and like send her a selfie of you making the same face? <laughs> no, but I think our kids were really young and our son had his, like, he was like one and a half or no, maybe he was like six months old and he has hands up like that. And she had a celebration like that. So that was about it. But, uh, but no, I kind of, actually I had an interview with her today with the big 10. So that's what we, I had that. Oh, this cool. Nice. I think she's coming out with big news today anyway. So. Ooh. Mm. That'll be, that'll be interesting. I mean, Sam, well, I mean, this is going to, yeah, this is playing tomorrow. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if she actually did sign or not. Exclusive. So. Exclusive. New, <laughs> no, no. new, new. I haven't seen it anywhere, so I'm not going to say anything, but you can read. But it's the, it's the worst kept secret. Yeah. You guys know. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's known for like two weeks now. All right. Where? City. Yeah. Maybe. Possibly. I didn't say well, which city. I just said mm-hmm. a city. Um, because I, I said, did you watch the the uh, Prime video, right? Because I was mm-hmm. like, you're gonna be walking through all that. Maybe you should watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Get hey, become Pat. homies with with uh, Kevin DeBrunia. That's what I said today. Right. I didn't know him. I what would totally that? get to know him. Josie Mourinho's biggest mistake. <sighs> like that guy. I'm my face. He's so good. Mourinho or DeBrunia? DeBrunia. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, that kid's, I think he's the best player in the world. I don't care what people say. He's so good. Top three for sure. Yeah. Not Okay, and your top two are Liverpool guys. No. It's two Liverpool guys and then... No, no, no. I'm, and then I'm brutally biased, but I'm not dumb. <laughs> <laughs> there are some who may question that. <laughs> but no, as, as, as we get out of here, Paul, again, you know, thank you so much for, for coming on with us. And uh, let's try to do this again on episode 300. We'll remember double. that one and we'll have we'll double it up. Woohoo, double it up. All right guys. Thank you so much. <laughs>